Before we get to the podcast, I wanted to make sure that you knew that my online knee course with Lenny Macrina is on sale for $200 off this week. If you want to learn exactly how to evaluate and treat the knee, you're going to love our comprehensive course where we cover our clinical examination, exercise progressions, and specific information on ACL, meniscus, patellofemoral, articular cartilage, osteoarthritis, and so much more. Plus, you can earn a ton of CEU credit. The course is on sale this week for $200 off. Head to MikeReynolds.com slash knee for more information and to sign up today. On this episode of the Ask Mike Reynolds Show, we talk about strength and conditioning for multi-sport athletes. The Ask Mike Reynolds Show. Helping people feel better, move better, and perform better. Before we get to the podcast, I wanted to make sure you knew about my free online course on the Introduction to Performance Therapy and Training. If you want to learn how to get started optimizing and enhancing performance, this is the course for you. Head to MikeReynolds.com slash performance to sign up today. Welcome back, everybody, to the latest episode of the Ask Mike Reynolds Show. We are up at Champion PT and Performance in Boston, answering all your questions, physical therapy, sports performance, fitness, career advice, anything you want to talk about, just let us know. Head to MikeReynolds.com. You can click on the podcast link to ask us more questions. And please, please, please make sure you're subscribed to this on iTunes or Spotify, whatever you listen to these podcasts on, so you can get notifications all the time. We want to keep doing this. We want to keep growing. So the more you can spread, the better. So thank you so much. So let's see. I am joined today. We're going to start at the bottom. The bottom of my Zoom screen, but the top of my heart, Dan Pope right there at the bottom, mm. right? <laughs> and I don't know what where he's going to be on your screen, but on my screen, he's on the bottom. Love so we got it. Dan Pope, Mike Scaduto, Dave Tilly, Dewesh Podell, uh, Lisa Russell, and Lenny Macrina all joining us for your amazing questions. Uh, Len, what do we have for students to say? Oh, we've got a new student. New student asking the question. They played musical chairs since last week, and um, they have rearranged. So we have uh, leading off, batting first, uh, Jonathan Sandberg from Creighton University. He'll be asking the question today. Cannot wait to hear this. <laughs> have no no idea what he looks like. He's been in our facility for months and weeks now. Uh, Johnny Herrera uh, from Regis University in Colorado. We have Eric King uh, looking all strong and, and good posture back there, Eric, by the way, from Franklin Pierce University in uh, Arizona. And Katie, Katie Stone. Uh, who is from University of Nevada at Las Vegas, which I hope to get back there soon. This, I, You know, <laughs> I was going to comment on this. You guys look like you're posing right now. This looks awesome. I love you guys. Uh, King, did you play football in high school? <laughs> exactly. You, did, right? exactly you, you look like you're posing for a high school football photo where you're trying <laughs> to bow up on Johnny, <laughs> right? Make Johnny look small next to you. Right? <laughs> well, that's not too hard to do. <laughs> Whoa. Whoa, Mike Scaduto, everybody. I just want to make sure that was time stamped appropriately for documentation. <laughs> I like it. Uh, Jonathan, what do we have for a question today, my man? Today we have Josh from Massachusetts goes in regards to youth and high school athletes that play multi sports and therefore never have an off season. When is the best time and how do you structure an off season strength building program? I love this. This is this is a really good question. I put this tweet out like a year or two ago too. I think it's still one of my favorite tweets, but I was like, all right, my bad. We're super guilty of this. But like as a medical community for like the last 10 years, we've been harping on 
kids should play multiple sports, right? That was like a big thing. We shouldn't specialize too early, right? And then I was like, oh, my bad. We screwed this up. We didn't mean play every sport at the same time. We meant <laughs> put play one each season, right? To alternate throughout the year. Don't play them all at once, right? So, so we kind of screwed this up a little bit, but I like this. You know, in our area, in the Boston area, we have several towns that like kind of come like that are our client base at Champion, right? And some of them, their high schools are enormous, like college campuses, right? So for them, it's super challenging for that athlete to actually make the team for all these different sports because there's so much competition, right? But then we have others where they're really small. You only have like a hundred kids in your class, right? The chances of you playing like football, hockey, baseball are, are a lot higher for that athlete, right? So that poses a huge um, thing for us because if they're playing sports all the year round, then they're always in season for something. How do we ever make gains? So I, I, I want to answer this from a two-part thing. And, and obviously I want to throw this to Duesh to kind of get his thoughts on how we do this with our athletes. But then I do also want to throw at you, like, maybe we end briefly with just saying like, like, you know, when do we, when do we think maybe we should, we should take a season off and focus on developing for one sport? And when does that become realistic? But, but do we want to, if, a, if somebody comes to you right now and they're like, I play all three sports, but I, I got to get stronger. I got to get better because I, I want to maximize my potential. What do we do? Yeah. So, I mean, I, I think in part, this is like a big periodization question. But I think the first thing we got to do is set realistic expectations, right? So a lot of people, younger kids, know that they got to get bigger, faster, stronger, um, and they want it to happen fairly quickly, especially if they're, you know, planning on playing a collegiate sport um, or, you know, multi-sport in college. Um, I think step number one is we got to kind of taper expectations. So making sure that they understand that because training is not the primary focus right now because they're playing three sports at three different times a year or maybe more, right? We have kids that play um, – like indoor lacrosse and hockey at the same time. Like we, we have situations like that all the time. We got to make sure that they understand that gains are going to come a little bit slower to them compared to maybe some of their friends and classmates that might have a true off season where they can train. Right. So starting with expectations and then two is getting them to understand that they're probably going to have a fairly low frequency in training simply because their schedule. So they might have practices every single day, um, you know, one to two games a week. So where do we find the time to train? So, you know, trying to convince kids to, you know, either come in early before school or um, come in post-practice, that's going to be the first place to start. And then our job as a coach and programmer becomes, all right, how do I give them the right amount of stress um, and loading where they're not over-fatigued to show up to practice and perform or show up and perform at games, um, but also make sure that we give them enough of a stimulus where they do have to adapt a little bit and make gains in strength. Um, you know, power, whatever it may be. So I, I think there's a couple different layers to it. Now, digging a little deeper into the programming end of things and periodization end of things, uh, my general rule of thumb is I'm going to make sure that I give them exercises and volume of exercises that don't make them sore, right? So that's like my number one priority as far as my selection of exercises and my prescription of volume in training. So I'm not going to put a lot of heavy emphasis on eccentrics right? Um, or movements that have a higher eccentric uh, component. So, you know, an example for me would be maybe I'll choose more step-up variations instead of, let's say, like an RFE split squat, right? Or step-up has a very, very short eccentric component, so they're going to get less sore from it, right? Deadlifts have become a pretty big thing in my program where they're not really having to control that weight on the way down. You know, they're using concentric force to explode that weight up and then maybe just, you know, come right back down. Um, 
the other end of it ends up becoming the volume of stuff. So um, I think there's one, a big misconception when it comes to in-season training anyways. Um, a lot of people tend to think that as soon as someone's in-season, we got to go light, super high reps so that we don't tire them out. For me, it's almost the exact opposite. The higher rep, um, low load stuff actually makes you more sore. So as far as performance goes on the field or on the court or the ice, um, you know, I want to make sure my athletes are fresh. So my rep and set scheme actually changes um, pretty drastically. So you might see a lot of my athletes doing three sets of three that are, you know, moderately heavy, um, let's say 85, 90% of their max. Um, and then if I have a period of time where I do want to push the volume a little bit, so I can induce a little bit of hypertrophy um, or, you know, just build tolerance to a certain level of stress, I might jack up that volume to like six sets of three, right? Because I know that that three reps is not necessarily going to make them super sore, but I do get to build a little bit of capacity there. I like that. Uh, Dave, Dave, building on that a little bit, you personally work in a sport that has a, a crazy high season and a short off season. Like, and a lot of sports are like that, but you, I feel like gymnastics seems to be one of the bigger ones. And I think a lot of, you know, the types of sports like gymnastics are like that. Like, so a little bit different, right? We're not talking about multi-sport athletes, but your athletes don't get a huge off season either. How do you maximize that short amount of time Right. And, and, and do you have any tips to add to, to Dewey's concepts about in-season training based on your experience? Yeah. It's interesting because there's actually, we're like the shining example of what not to do in terms of year <laughs> training, but then also in, in special coaching too, right? Like the literature. And I, I just did a big lit review in this because we're writing some papers about how gymnastics desperately needs to change because the injury rates, the burnout rates, like it's, it's just baffling how bad it is. So we have kids that year round train from a very young age. Like they specialize. Our study we just finished was eight was the average age. And they didn't like, you should probably start to like 14, 15 is when you should late specialize. So yeah, that being said, we have a lot of athletes that Dewey and I are working with that are very high level gymnast elite and in college level gymnasts. And we're trying to teach them about this component. And it's amazing what like a very small dose of an off season, uh, done well, uh, can do to their health. We have some athletes that have trained super high level for 16, 17 years, uh, you know, junior national team, elite division one athletes. They take a small little rest after their biggest competitive event, just for like a, a two to four weeks and do a little bit of cross training. Like I feel amazing. My ankles feel great. My back feels great. I feel super strong. They've never had a recovery window long enough to actually, you know, utilize all their adaptations. That's a huge myth. And misunderstanding, I think that happens across all these young sports and with parents too, is they think that work plus work plus work equals adaptation. And we all know it's work, the optimal dose of work plus the optimal dose of recovery is where adaptation occurs. So I think a lot of this is education to change. But kind of on that being said is we're trying really hard to, as Dewey has said, fill in the gaps of what we know they're not getting in their training, right? We know that a lot of these athletes are not doing upper back and cuff work. They're not doing targeted mobility work. They're not doing some of the boring grunt work basics they should be doing because they just want to go play their sport. They want to practice. They want to hit balls. They want to throw. They want to do gymnastics. So that's what we're trying to do is fill in some of those missing puzzle pieces. We know like direct glute training is really important for a lot of these athletes, but they're not doing loaded hip thrusts in their strength conditioning program. So we give them a little bit of strength balance, a little bit of soft tissue care, a little bit of like, you know, that boring grunt work. And they, they feel like a significant increase in their performance just because they've never done some of that more boring grunt work. Maybe their sport coaches don't either know or they don't feel as though it's important. That's pretty neat. I, I, I think you said that well too, Dave, like to, to, to combine with Dwesh a little bit there was that like, like, sometimes we have to remember that we're here to help the athlete get better, right? So sometimes you're like, man, I have, 
this is the program I think all ice hockey players should do because it's going to enhance, it's going to make them awesome. And you want to, you want to give them that program. Right. But if they're in the middle of their season or they're like, they're, they're, they're playing all year doing all these different things. We never want to get to the point where we are competing with the stresses of what they're doing in the sport and taking away from their performance. So if we're wearing them down or if we're doing things that aren't complementary to what they need to do on the field, remember, that's why they're coming to you is because they want to get better on the field, the court, the ice, the tumble track, whatever, the floor. Uh, (laughs) I was close. Uh, Like, 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 you know what I mean? Like they, they want to get better at at those things. So I think, I think we have to be kind of careful with that. So Lisa, did you have uh, a little bit on, I know within your world too, there's quite a bit of this, right? I was going to say mostly everything Dave said is kind of a ditto in the rowing world. Um, (laughs) Ditto. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, it's like rowers suck at taking an off chunk of the year. If they take one week off, they're like, yeah, I like, you know, took some time off. It's like, well, you, you trained for the other 51 weeks. Like, I don't, I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Um, So, but I think, you know, within a sport that doesn't really have an off season, there's typically more important times of the year and lesser important times of the year in order to like help periodize like Dewey was talking about. And then, I mean, rowers don't tend to do the accessory work that really supports them to stay healthy. So no matter what, regardless of how you're periodizing, like their strength training, like that, those pieces are always like super helpful and super important, like no matter the time of year. Right. And you can always find places for that. Right. And yeah. I was even thinking while, while Dewesh was talking about some of his things, maybe you're playing football in the fall, but you want to play baseball in the spring. So maybe the fall is a great time to work on rotary power. Cause you're not, you know, it's not a huge football thing. Right. So it's not a competing stress, like, you know, as a way of, of kind of putting that together. So, um, all right. One, one last thing. Oh, Dan, you want to jump in? Cause I, yeah, that's a good point, Dan, like in your world too. I mean, that's it. There is, I mean, it's, it's every day, every year. So what do you think? Yeah. Same exact thing as Dave and Lisa say. One thing I wanted to say for the medical providers listening to this, physical therapists, I think, and and physicians oftentimes are guilty of this. But if you have an athlete that comes in with an injury, and let's say they're in a period where they need to continue training in some regard, I think oftentimes we tell people to back off way too much. And we sometimes create a problem by doing that. So we're taking their, their chronic workload. We just, you know, bottomed it out. And then at some point, you're like, okay, you're cleared to go back. And it goes up to a huge level. And during that period of time, you missed all those positive adaptations that may have occurred in like an off season or something along those lines. So I think that we have to keep that in mind when someone comes with an injury. We have to keep them training in a safe way that respects that injury, but also allows them to continue making progress. I like that. That's great. That's great. It's, it's, this is, this is a tricky thing to do. Right. And this is where, this is like that next level thing. We talk about like the development of like our strength coaches and stuff, like where you're, you're very good at the technical aspects of, of your job. Then you're really good at like coaching in the moment. This is that next level stuff where you have to like take a big, broad uh, spectrum kind of view of the situation and the competing stress and everything and kind of put it together. This is next level stuff. So if you're not quite there, you don't have like the experience programming and stuff like this, just like, you know, do your best and err on the side of, of caution and then slowly add, right? Don't go too much until they crash and then you have to like strip it down. I think you're going to have much worse uh, results that way. So um, just because I alluded to it, Dewey, just one last question briefly going in here. At some point in time, like I like when our, our late high school, maybe kids actually say like, you know what? 
I'm not really a good basketball player. <laughs> I, I want to play baseball in college. So I'm going to play soccer. Then I'm going to take the winter off and train for baseball to get better at baseball. Like for me, that's, that's good, well-rounded development of athleticism, especially if you have a complementary sport in the fall, right? Like, like we tell all, I love telling the baseball players to play soccer. I think it's hilarious. None of them want to, right. But, but they, <laughs> they, you know what I mean? Like get good at running and stuff like that, but do we, so what, when do we actually say like, would, would we ever recommend that or do we stay away from that? But what have we done so far? Yeah, I, I think a lot of it comes down to like what the athletes already thought about a little bit beforehand. Uh, a lot of the times, like they'll kind of know like, hey, I want to do this and I want to put a little bit more concerted effort into being better at this particular sport. Um, so if they start bringing up thoughts like that, then we'll kind of have the conversation saying, hey, so of the other two sports that you play, like, which one do you like the least? Or which one do you feel like you benefit the least from, from like a general athleticism standpoint? Or what's like not a big social aspect for you, right? I'm sure like some kids will enjoy the teammates on all three teams that they play for, but maybe one is just kind of like they're doing it because they, for whatever reason, like started and they don't want to quit. Um, but if they kind of start showing hints that, you know, they want to take one season off to get, you know, bigger, faster, stronger. Then I'll say like, hey, maybe it's sophomore, junior year as we're starting to look towards college scholarships and you know talking to schools and stuff. Let's let's take a little bit more dedicated time to your training, and maybe take that one winter off to start developing a little bit of a better strength conditioning program, so you can better prep for your spring baseball season, right? And like summer it. baseball season that's super important for like AU baseball and stuff. Yeah, I mean, there's a time and a place for that. Like, so, you know, I think that's another interesting perspective to kind of think about. So um, awesome stuff. Great episode. Great question. Thanks so much, Josh. Uh, um, you know, I, I Josh said he's from Massachusetts. So I think we get a good amount of these multi-sport athletes in Massachusetts, right? I think in the South, it's, it's you know, it's warmer all year, so they can, they can do stuff. But like, it's hard to play baseball in the winter here, right? So, um, you know, things like that kind of, kind of uh, help dictate that a little bit. So we deal with that a little bit in some of the states like we are up in Massachusetts. But, uh, but again, great question, Josh. Thanks so much. Thanks for listening. As always, head to MikeRinald.com. Click on the podcast link if you have another question you want us to answer. And please subscribe, rate, review iTunes, Spotify, and we will keep this podcast going. Thank you so much. See you on the next episode. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. If you have a question you'd like us to answer, head to MikeRinald.com slash podcast and fill out the form to submit your question. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. And please share this with your friends to help spread the word. It would really mean so much to us. Please check out all my online courses, articles, newsletter, and more at MikeReynolds.com. There's always a ton of great perks for my newsletter subscribers. And be sure to check for my other podcast, the Sports Physical Therapy Podcast, where I go deep into topics and interview leaders within our field. See you on the next episode.